welcome to the Fracture Line, the official weekly news feed from the Chest Wall Injury Society, where we will listen to all the bottom line CWIS updates, shoutouts, fun facts, and weekly banner. I'm your host, Dr. Mark Crisco, and I'm joined always by Dr. Tom White, Dr. Adam Kay, and Sarah Ann Whitbeck. Well, thank you so much, Dr. Ben Oliver, for joining us on Fracture Line. We always start by having the, the guest host just introduce themselves. Tell us a little bit about your practice, especially where you are right now, uh, where you are in your practice, and a little bit about your research. Yeah, thank you very much for having me. So um, my name is Ben Oliver. I'm the professor of trauma surgery in Nottingham, um, which is right in the middle of the UK. We're a big centre. We treat about 10% of the English population for major trauma. Um, I have been in practice now as an attending for... 11 years or so. I've got slightly unusual practice because I'm 50% research, 50% clinical. Um, a lot of my research interests focus around ribs. We were early for Europe with fixing ribs. We started doing that about 10 years ago in my centre and I, I run a bunch of um, research programmes surrounding chest injury, chest outcomes. Um, and I'm not doing that. I'm an orthopaedic trained trauma surgeon. So I'm um, I do limb recon and, and that kind of stuff. Awesome. Well, thanks again for coming. I know uh, some of us had the pleasure of hearing an update at the summit in 2021 about your uh, a big study you're running, the ORIF study. Will you give us an update of that study and um, how it's going? Yeah, so so well, I think, allowing for COVID, um, it's a big randomized controlled trial. Um, we're aspirationally hoping for 536 patients randomized to fixation versus conservative treatment. Um, and the question we're asking is, is initial treatment. So it's the patient comes in, they've got what we would regard as a, an operatively fixable chest. Um, so they need to have um, either a flail chest, they need to require ventilatory support, or they need to have neuroaxial requirement for neuroaxial analgesia uh, to come into the study. Um, we've been running this, recruiting to the study now for two and a half years, although we had to pause for COVID um, because a lot of the research nurses were redeployed um, for around about nine months. And we're, we're frustratingly, we've been at 199 patients all week. I've been watching the recruitment, hoping I could say we've broken 200 tonight. But um, sadly, we have one one in our centre today that, that didn't want to do it. Um, there's currently uh, eight centres across uh, across the UK that are recruiting for us. Um, and as I say, we're, we're hoping... Uh, COVID allowing to be done within the next 18 months or so. I imagine recruitment is difficult, especially in the population of flail chests, because most people would probably opt to get their chest fixed. Is that what you're kind of running into? Yes and no. So so it's funny, isn't it? I mean, you know, so, so like all of these studies, we're, we're, we're minimized for confounders. So, you know, like all big studies, it's uh, it's actually a number of studies um, with equal, equal balance within each group. So the patients who are requiring ventilatory support, uh, quite clearly, they all go into the trial because they're under, they're under anesthesia, we're able to presume consent. Um, so they get randomized to, to one intervention or another. And then when they wake up, they, they give us their written consent. So if they are, um, those patients were getting about, you know, 95% cruel rate. The patients who have sort of multiple chest injury, uh, multiple rib fractures, or, you know, a radiological flail, but are awake and um, managing themselves, we get around about a 60% recruitment rate from those patients. So about 40% will say, no, you know, I definitely want to have my chest fixed. I definitely don't. Remember, it's only the initial question for us. So it's should you have your, your chest fixed today, the day you come in? Um, so they're not uh, they're not ruling out chest fixation later on. Um, interesting, a number of patients who have been randomised to uh, surgery and then haven't had their surgery that day. The, by the time you come around the next day, they say, "No, actually, you know, I feel all right." So I think we've got I think we've got the 
the equipoise position about right. You know, somebody who can't breathe just gets their chest fixed because that's that's the right thing to do. Yeah, we're we're doing all right, I think. I, I was expecting us to to have a sort of twenty thirty percent recruitment rate from from the population for the reasons that you say, but um, it does seem that that actually patients and clinicians are doing better. The other thing we've found is that equipoise has has improved across the sites. You know, so some of the sites fixed almost none you know they'd fix maybe maybe five percent five ten percent um and as we've gone further through the study they're fixing more and some of the sites that were fixing 90 95 percent you know they sort of said oh we couldn't you know we couldn't put them in and um actually they're putting more and more into the study because i think i think we don't know exactly which patients do best and particularly because we've got a crossover uh crossover um uh, facility within the trial we, we we you know I've, I've been really impressed actually colleagues have done really well with um with managing to get patients in and keep them on a treatment allocation well ben this is a huge undertaking i mean I, congratulations on 199 i mean I, it's it's very impressive can you talk a little bit about the technique how, how you've standardized that across the yeah well so yeah we, we we do and we don't so it's a pragmatic study obviously um so we've defined certain things um it's always very difficult with intervention studies to make sure somebody's doing the actual intervention you you expect aren't they so um you know we, we've defined that in order to be eligible the patient needs to be you know, the the center needs to be fixing the plate and screws we haven't defined obviously what um what manufacturer or indeed um what length or what construct but it needs to be a lock plate and screw system that's suitable and licensed for, for chest fixation um at kickoff we did a cadaveric uh training um session and had all the CIs from the centers along which was which was worthwhile and interesting um, we're in a sort of slightly unusual position in Nottingham insofar as um, as you know there's a few sort of a few kind of people who are really into chest fixation in in, in the UK you know there's John Oberson Sheffield there's there's me in Nottingham um, there's um, Sharon in um, uh, in Liverpool and there's a couple of others so it's a relatively small community you know there's there's four or five kind of people who have a, a big interest in it and then there's a whole lot of centres that have uh, followed on from that um, and essentially they all visited one of us to learn how to do it so they're all people that I know anyway we have an entry criteria you know you you've got to have you've got to have reached a certain number we're doing fidelity assessments so we're checking post-operative x-rays we're we're um looking at um, obviously outcome measures with powerful mortality uh, and also health economics. Um, but we are um, pulling a certain number of the, the x-rays and getting getting a post-fixation fidelity assessment done. Um, but always difficult, right? Whatever trial you're doing, how do you know the patient got what they were supposed to get? And how do you know it was done to a decent standard? That's the sticky wicket, isn't it, for it randomized is. surgical trials? I mean, there's others, but that's, that's, that's the main one. So it's, it's worth talking about it for a minute, isn't it? Because... You know the 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 real hardcore trialists would say, well, well, that's the point, isn't it? Is that actually this isn't supposed to be what ex- it's not supposed to be a, an evaluation of one expert versus another. It's supposed to be an evaluation of what the standard surgeon can achieve. Equally, the people who put trials together are, by definition, enthusiasts, right? So they set out to do something; they probably do it well. So there's 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 a bias by definition in in the whole thing. You know, it's is what it is. Best we can do. <laughs> Do you have an interim analysis planned, or are you just going to run for five thirty-six? So the, the system that that we're using is the data monitoring committee. Um, so every six months they do a closed analysis that I don't get to see, and they say they say go ahead or not. Um, so what um, what we do is we do a data lock every six months. 
um, or 100 patients, whichever comes sooner. We optimistically thought we'd get 100 patients every six months when we started, but it's not it's not quite that many. It's about 100 a year. They give us a they give us a, a rundown analysis to look at the uh, the adverse events and stuff, and and they basically will stop the study if one arm is looking like they're doing a lot better than the other from a safety events perspective. Um, but we won't stop early for our primary outcome unless there's a safety concern. Well, what impresses me is the the vast number of types of patients you're having in this study. Um, you know, you have the people who are on the vent, flail, and really almost like pulmonary cripples. Then you have the patients who just need a little bit more pain meds. So you're really, yeah. uh, uh, the study is going to be good because you, you can be able to see more than just one patient population. You can probably have m- multiple studies out of this one study, which is really nice to see. And your numbers are great. I mean, if you hit 530, that's probably the biggest study on, on refractory repair that's out there right oh, now. Yeah. So that's yeah, also going to be, yeah, it's going to be a really, really cool um, interesting um, outcome. So I, I also applaud you. I'm very impressed. How, how are you doing all this? We're, yeah, we're getting there. We're, we're almost the biggest study now. I think. I think if we get, I think we need to get another 20 patients. Then we're the biggest study, and we're doing some other cool stuff as well. I, we're linked to our national registry, so we're looking at we're looking at applicability. We're looking at the patients who don't go in as well as patients who do. So from the PROMS perspective, not from and from the the hard outcomes perspective, we'll know if there's a selection bias, and we'll know what the centres have done and what they haven't done. Um, and I've just got funded um, a mechanistic study, which you know, I think actually is more, is more interesting and more exciting, actually. I think I might have sort of vague, vaguely talked about it at CWIS, but we didn't, we didn't quite have the funding through. Uh, and that's really to work out how surgery works as an intervention in somebody with, with chest injury. Um, so we've got a, an embedded study that, um, that's looking at uh, what happens to your um, gut flora as your, as your gut uh, microbiome uh, and how that affects your outcomes in chest injury because obviously you know when you get your stress response you lose that barrier um, so what the gut microbiome does and, and how that affects patients with chest injury um, we're looking at body composition and how um, how the patient's composition and their their effect uh, affects their uh, stress response and how surgery uh, and cytokine cascade is modulated by that and we're looking at the cytokine cascade and respiratory outcomes and, and what happens there so so that, that's pretty cool stuff and because it's because it's precise estimates you don't need 530 patients you need around about 120 so so fortunately in some ways some ways covid was a complete nightmare on the other hand they managed to get the funding through in time to get this embedded study done and and i think that'll tell us an awful lot more you know if we come down if we come down as a negative and we say, okay, then the population is too heterogeneous. We've then got some precise outcome measures to say, actually, these are the patients that benefit and those are the ones that don't. You know, that, that's exciting, I think. We want, I want to take this opportunity to, to pick your brain a little bit about the role of, of a society such as ours in, in the chest wall injury world in, in Europe specifically. We, we've attempted and had some success recruiting members in Europe, but not hasn't been as successful as we would like it to be. Do you could give us some advice on how CWIS could be more relevant to European surgeons or UK surgeons, you know, what we should be doing differently? What, what would you say to that question, Ben? So that's a good question, isn't it? You know, and I think the first thing is that a, a lot of UK surgeons don't really know about CWIS. And I think um, so. I think there's the the sort of it's actually about knowing that the society exists. Um, I think also across the world, rib fixations done by different groups, and so there is really a, there is a need for a society that looks at, at the chest because it's not you know in the UK um, across the, all the centres we have thoracic surgeons, we have orthopedic trauma surgeons, we have general surgeons, and in some sense we have vascular surgeons fixing the chest. Uh, I might have my own views on whether that's a reasonable thing to do or not. In some tenses, it's you know it, it's done by 
them by joint operating with lots of people. So I started doing mine, you know, with the thoracic surgeons and eventually because of the way our, our centre's set up, it's like everything, isn't it? When you've done a fair few, you don't need to, you don't really need to do it as dual operating. And it, it ended up staying in the trauma centre because the thoracic guys live in the, live in the, um, live in the cancer hospital, basically. I think there's a lot that could be done. Um, I think that um, it would be nice for CWIS to have a footprint in the UK. I think there's, there's access potentially through societies, through, um, through the Orthopaedic Trauma Society, through the Thoracic Society. Um, and, and I think, you know, I didn't really have anything to do with you guys until till this year, really, when you invited me to come and speak. I didn't really know what you did or, you know, I still haven't filled out the, four, the, the membership form, but it's coming. Don't worry, it's coming. <laughs> um, and, and that's mostly because I just <laughs> didn't know it existed, you know, until, um, until John said, you know, would you speak at a session? You, you don't have an idea what it's about. So difficult question, not really with an answer from me, but I, I guess engaging with specialist societies would be good. Maybe, maybe uh, getting some some people along. You know, the internet's changed a bit. You can you can get people along to chat and and give talks at sessions, which you, you could never do previously. You know, two years ago it wasn't possible for you and I to talk on a an evening and a and a um and a lunchtime. So I, I guess that that's the routine. It's about publicity. Um, it's not that people don't want to get together and talk about ribs. We do that all the time. It's just, I guess, people don't know there's a chest injury society that they can join. All right. Well, we're asking you to be uh, our ambassador um, with Dr. Edwards <laughs> in the UK. We'll get started with uh, with Sarah Ann giving us some weekly updates, if you don't mind, Sarah Ann. As far as weekly updates, things coming up. This week we have a journal club, which will be by Dr. Thomas Martin, and he'll actually be discussing a paper that he's an author on. Um, along with some of his co-authors um, from Providence, so you won't want to miss that. If you haven't signed up, um, definitely do so. Um, so that is Wednesday, October 13th, so that will be terrific. Um, we have case review on Wednesday, October 27th. We actually have three cases. Dr. K is presenting one of them, which that'll be fantastic. And then actually just the next week later on November 3rd, we have Dr. Kerry Battle um, going to be talking about chronic pain uh, and how physical therapy, physiotherapy can be supportive with chronic pain in a chest wall injury. So you'll want to uh, check that out. It's on the website. It's in the newsletter. And then, of course, the next week on November 10th is the November Forum. So there are things coming up every week for the next few weeks so please please keep an eye on the newsletter please keep an eye on the website the twitter feed slack all of those good things um, because there there's just a plethora of goodness available and uh, you won't want to miss it other things long term to keep keep your eye on the ball um, november 30th is a very big day for everybody so if you want to apply for the cwis kls martin fellowship um, that is due on november 30th um, if you want to submit a nomination for the William B. Long Award, due on November 30th. And if you want to submit um, a scientific abstract for CWIS 2022, due on November 30th. So circle November 30th in red on your calendar. Make sure that you are well prepared and have everything buttoned up. If you have questions about any of those items, again, newsletter, website, um, or email me directly. I'm happy to send you additional information. So big day, November 30th. Ben, we do what's called the final stitch. The final stitch is uh, you can give a shout-out. Uh, you can talk about anything. It doesn't have to be clinically related. It's whatever's on your mind is what we usually talk about. Anybody wants to go first? I'll go first. Uh, I have two quick ones. I saw a patient in the office this week who 
had a huge bilateral reconstruction involving sternum for a big anterior flail about three months ago. I didn't get to know him very well in the hospital because he was intubated for part of the most of the time, and then I left service. And but but he was a delightful human. His his chest wall reconstruction is healed, and he. Uh, avoided a tracheostomy, and he recovered from his TBI. And from the waist up and the neck down, he's just normal. And it's just it's hard to conceive of that when you look when I first evaluated him and looked at his radiographs and then saw how unstable his chest was. So I just I love it when when we uh, when patients return and affirm that that you really that you did something and you really helped them. So just that, that's the first thing. The second thing is it's a bit of a pipe dream, but. I'm sitting here thinking that I would love to, for Dr. Oliveira to present his trial when it's ready at 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 CWIS Summit 2024-25. So let's make that a goal amongst ourselves to convince him that this is the form that that we want him to present that paper. I'll go. I'll go next. You know, last week when we were talking about, I don't know, it was towards the end of our conversation, we were talking. I, someone asked a. How I was doing it, you know, new practice and all that kind of new new attending, and I was like, yeah, you know, I'm okay. I had the most stressful weekend ever. It was like awful. I was just pummeled over and over and over. I was the colorectal surgeon. I literally have like four or five anastomoses out there, and I was just stressed to the max. So I want to take everything back because every day I just go in and I'm waiting for someone to leak or someone to die on me, and it's just like, oh my god. I just wanted to say thanks for everybody's, thanks for the support, but uh, I take that back a little bit. I'm I'm a little stressed this week. When the buck stops there, that's when it's yeah, you know, that's when you feel it, right? Yeah, it's terrible. Well, I'm gonna I'm gonna continue on with that idea though. I want you, to, you know, I, I what I'm what I always amaze in medicine is how things always change your practice. Um, you know, you think you learned everything in, in medical school, but then you go to become a resident and all of a sudden you learn so much more. And then you become an attending and everything you learned in residency doesn't exist. I mean, what we do today, you know, with these refractors, I didn't do this all residency. I didn't do this for most of my life. And then all of a sudden, the last 10 years, now it's been like a major part of my, of my life. Um, but what I recently, in General Surgery News, they had an article, my wife actually told me about it, about CRP, C-reactive protein. I never use it. I mean, who uses that for in surgery? What a wasted study, right? Well, I never. I thought that. Um, now it's actually very important to use when it comes to anastomoses. So maybe you should do this. So Dr. Crisco, get a CRP every day and see how it how it trends. It's supposed to it's supposed to peak day two after your surgery, and then it's supposed to drop. And if it doesn't, it keeps going up. Be really worried about it. About an anastomotic leak. So. I know. I just thought that was uh, you know, something I didn't, I did not know about, and I'm now changing my practice because of it. So I'm always amazed at how I can always learn, even you know, multiple years out from residency and being attending for so long that there's always still something new to do. That's a good tip. You know, I use it. I use it for other surgeries, not not for anastomotic. You know, for like end-to-end anastomoses or something like that. I'll start. I'll start trying it. Thanks. All right. Well, I have two, and one, Dr. Crisco, I semi hate you, but. I'll just have to own it. My baseball team lost on Monday night. I knew you were going to want to discuss this. The Rockies are my NL team. They didn't make it in the postseason. And unfortunately, Dr. Crisco's dirty Red Sox and their dirty green monster park beat my Yankees, which I will say that Giancarlo Stanton was cheated out of two home runs or two hits that would have been home runs if it wasn't for your stupid park. So stupid game. And after you play that many, you know, 162 games in a season and it all comes down to one game, stupid game. So I am very disgruntled about that as a matter of fact. But 
nonetheless, moving on, my other vinyl stitch was about the research committee meeting from yesterday. Um, it was just amazing. We had new ideas, new studies presented, updates on other studies. It just, it was very exciting. It was one of those meetings that the time flew by. Suddenly we were, you know, 45 minutes in and it was, it was just really cool to, to see all the new thoughts and ideas that people have about, you know, next studies and, and cool things they're doing. And it was, it was really gratifying. I, I know Dr. Gaspari and I have joked where he said, are we going to run out of studies at some point to do? And I'm like, I guess not, you know, <laughs> I guess there's more to look at, you know, so it's, uh, it's pretty fun. It was a, it was a really good meeting and I appreciate the research committee for all they do. So thank you. Well, thanks again, Dr. Alame. I really, yeah, I really man, appreciate what a, it. What a pleasure. Thank you so much. Thank you. Great to see you.